So we saw, we um, thank you for the tickets. We uh, saw your film, the, the premiere, the world yeah. premiere of your new movie. Um, yeah, Fourth, Fourth of July. July. That's right. That was like... a really cool experience. Yeah, tell me why. Because it felt like we were in in on the the production of the film with everyone. It felt like everyone in the audience had played some, they, they had some like, buy-in to the movie like there was a oh. this is like a celebration of like everyone sort of who who made the film happen and it was cool to watch it with with uh a crowd that was so into it yeah right they, they people really were invested i mean there was two thousand people not all of them were were with us but uh but it was a special night i won't forget that yeah that was really cool how i mean how is the reception of the film good it's on my website um and uh, people buy it all the day. They just keep, I don't know who they are, but somebody's always <laughs> coming and they just keep buying it. And uh, and folks really like it. They A lot of people email. Joe List, who's the star of the movie and wrote it with me, he's, um, he's very connected on social media. I'm not, I don't have like, you know, I mean, I have an Instagram account, but I'm not, I don't, I'm not that's, involved. That's why it. you're so zen and mellow and like chilled that's out. Right. That's right. Because yeah, you're I not think, in that world anymore, right? I have nothing to do with it. I, I don't get involved. That's smart. That's well, it's cool. a waste of time. It's not real life and it's not real interaction and it's not who people really are. No, it's not a complete version of any. I, I always think about how people always say everybody about social media. Like in the news, when somebody's in trouble, they say, blah, 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 said this and everyone is mad, right? <laughs> It's not everyone and it's not even most people and it's not even a lot of people right. and it's not even a, it's not even them. It's not even a whole person. It's a collective of fractions of people that that are that in that kind of uh, amount to a lot of halves of people. It's sort of like an outsized amount of noise for a very small group of people whose opinions are being represented. But it's also not them. It's not their whole personality. Mm -hmm. In other words, if you, okay, like uh, take something that uh, isn't homogenous. Um, okay, like here, I have this this uh, cat. It's made of, um, I think it's quartz. Louis holding up a little fig cat figurine. So if you take this cat and, it's ha and you cut it in half, then you've got, uh, um, you've got two halves, right? So then you, but if you get, did this with 60 identical cats, okay? You're slaughtering 30, uh, 60 cats. Just to make a point, they're not, they're not they don't have souls. They don't have souls. Okay. <laughs> they're meaningless. We were put on the, the earth was, and the animals were given to us by Jesus. Or That's by right. <laughs> so you cut it in half, this cat, you cut it in half, cut in half 60 cats, cut them right down the middle, right down their abdomen. And you say, uh, then... Oh, so then, uh, uh, so then now I have sixty half cats, um, and you take uh, you take all the head halves, and you say that's you could say that amounts to fifteen cats, right? But it doesn't. It amounts to fifteen cat halves, just the head part. Does that make any sense to you? I think I think I see what you're saying. Is it's 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 distilling a single part of an, the essence of a human being and mashing all those like uh parts of the separate people to con become a conglomerate of 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 an opinion that doesn't that's even right. really stand for any single human being it doesn't doesn't represent anyone any right. 
no one person. That's yeah, that's a really interesting way to put it. Cause I mean, I think we think about like social media uh, and the nar- narratives and propaganda a lot in our work because we come from a marketing background and, you know, we're sort of politically act. I don't know if you notice, we're kind of politically active people, yeah. but, <laughs> um, you know, and, and we try to sort of decipher um, these messages. You can look at like the work of Edward Bernays in the, the early 20th century and how that sort of morphed into, you know, how the, the technology has changed and become a lot more complicated, right? It used to be very straightforward and we can analyze how all that worked in the past, but now with social media and AI and all these all these different ways to slice up the human personality and repackage it into these narratives, I think that the way you described that is actually really accurate and spot well, on. Well, and it's, it's not, and it's deliberate. Yeah. Because a product... And a product can mean a lot of things. Products can mean a physical manufactured product or a product can mean a TV show or a product can be an idea. The, the Everything's been fractionalized, right? So, yeah. but you, you take these pieces. Okay, if you have a product, it used to be like, here's a TV show or here's a movie, but really it's just a moment now. It's like a moment or a feeling they sell now. It's, it's worth just as much money. Uh, it used to be that, that movie movies when they were came out the box office of a movie the box office how much did they make that's public information right everyone shares in in the knowledge of that they want people to know because they want to know the movie supported but also somehow you get this feeling we're supposed to be told what the movie made and then there's tv ratings there's this reporting of like here's how much we're making and there's also this idea of like people there's transparency and people telling you how much they made on stuff but clicking clickbait where the 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 because like ratings are a idea a tv show has ratings they can say this many people watch but they don't know how many of them really watch the advertising or how many of them absorbed it but advertisers used to pay a lot of money to a show that could prove that a lot of people watched it you know you know what i'm saying yep so but then you get Today you can when you somebody clicks on a link and goes and buys that you can watch somebody do that. Yeah, That's worth so much money. What I'm saying, I'm going into many directions. What I'm saying is, no one reports how much was being made. Hmm. I clickbait. Obviously, the yeah. we only got to trillionaires when we started doing this. Yeah, social media. Well, so it's, it's making so much money, but it's because it sells. Yeah, pieces. It's, it's sort of um, breaking it up to repackage yeah. and then to optimize. So I think maybe, and maybe you might agree with this, is like the effect on art um, is that rather than an artist coming up with a whole piece that might have some parts that people don't like here and might make other people dislike it there, but they really like this part. Um, they can't come up with a holistic sort of vision for their art. Everything is sort of fractured into these smaller sort of optimized for the, for the market kind of. Yeah. Um, That's right. Pieces, See, pieces of content that are just crap, but yes. it's like candy. It's like that quick hit of candy. Yeah. And something to remember too, is that the, the social media companies, they barely make any money. They barely turn a profit. And I think Twitter has never turned. I'm not sure if this yeah, is because true, they're but... selling, they're just selling people's attention spans. They're not like, 
but but the thing is like so they do they make some money selling ads and stuff like that but the real the reason why venture capitalists prop these things up is because they know that they can push the population in different directions right. with the algorithms and influence people by pushing things it's and, about the attention yeah just it it captures people's attention that's an important point i mean social media itself is just a highway it's not that important it's it's how it's used and 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 yes that's right these guys prop it up so that they have that marketplace but that what you just said about what happens to artwork as it gets fractionalized and the little pieces, the corresponding thing happens to the viewer and to the person. And uh, because no um, a movie can't reach your whole person, a movie will put you in a state of conflict, a real movie that's a whole story will put you in conflict with parts of yourselves. That's part of why people like to watch entertainment. Because they go, I don't know, man. I liked the guy when he did that, but I didn't like when he did that. And I don't know what they were trying to say to me. You know, the way people discuss things after movies, it's because, or a painting or anything. Well, like the painting above your head. I, it's beautiful, but it makes me feel a little racist because I like it and his lips are big. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that tension. So, but that's a good thing. That's a good yeah. tension. But that tension is really hard. And that that reaching a whole person and having a piece of work hit them on different levels is a thing that is pales in comparison to let's just appeal to a part of them that let's just tickle this one part and yeah. let's tickle it in a way that they, it wants more because you can't crave uh, art, great art, because it upsets you at the same time as it and exhausts you a little bit. Yeah, so it doesn't make you keep coming back. Like going to the gym, it's like hard work. It is, or it's it's like uh, psychedelic drugs are never addictive because even though they actually hit harder than cocaine or uh, alcohol, they get you in one spot and they and they scratch that itch. Yeah, but mushrooms or acid completely, you go like I can't, I can't keep doing that every day, like. <laughs> So it's like you can watch like a movie that you just is just a staggering piece of art. But there are times where you're like, I can't really do that right now. And I can't do it all the time. Yeah. But I can watch uh, a Karen uh, get mad at a park because of a parking spot. And that's making somebody an enormous amount of money. And I'll watch <laughs> another one and another one, yeah. and another one and another one. Well, what I'm struck by is thinking about the road for comics to get famous and it used to be that comedians could get a tv show that was named after them like seinfeld or yeah I, i'm just thinking about like that or louis or louis but <laughs> that was a little Never. later in the game but yeah uh i feel like there's not that universality anymore where a, someone can just have this like broad-based appeal anymore everything has to be so micro-targeted right. to right. elicit certain reactions from a certain Segment, demographic segmented. of people everything is segmented into subcategories and submarkets yeah. and appealing mm -hmm. to very micro uh interests yes, and, and comedians actually go be it goes beyond that for comedians because they're encouraged now i was just talking to a friend of mine who's a really good guy well joe joe list it's a very good comedian and he really focuses on the show uh, the show is a broad thing like what's my new hour like what am i what are my bits like what am i talking about on stage um and how good are these bits i'm going to work really hard to make them good and meanwhile a lot of his contemporaries i'm not as contemporary i'm a few couple generations ahead of him but the his contemporaries are um making a fortune 
but they're on social media. They're 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 they have a, a nerd follow them everywhere, and <laughs> yeah. if anything starts to happen, they 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 film it. If they when they do shows, they the most powerful thing they can get is an interaction with an audience member because yeah. that can be filmed and posted. They have to keep posting and then put it, posting things of themselves, post a lot, a lot, a lot, which is fragments, fragments, little pieces, little pieces. And also it's out. Like you say something and then you tweet it or you say it on stage and you put it on Instagram. It's no longer going to be valuable. You're not going to develop it anymore. Mm. Uh, a joke yeah. is something you develop over, 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 and over and over again, and then finally, when it's great, along with all the other jokes you've been working on, you put it out, and this yeah. the only live audiences have been seeing you, and suddenly the world gets a look, and that that's development. But the new thing is just here's an idea, get it, get it out, get it posted, posted yeah. uh, to to run your engine, you the circuit of of your of who you are inside of their brains to run it hot. So that it keeps asking for more. You have to give so that it'll ask, so that it'll, you can give and it'll ask. It's a cycle um, that a whole bunch of other midway people are getting enormously wealthy on. Um, I saw that there was just a comic on Joe Rogan who was saying that, I can't remember his name, but you guys mentioned him as a contemporary of Joe. I can't remember his name. He's like a tall guy. Uh, but he he said that he only posts crowd work on Instagram. Yeah, and anything that he's developing for like a special, he won't post that until like the special. You know, it comes yeah, out in a special. That's one way to handle it. That's what yeah. that, that that I think that's probably Sam Harris. He's got a he's pretty smart, but it's exhausting. It's a lot. It's it's just a different look. Wherever you're putting your your efforts to, that's going to be what you're going to become. You know, so so uh, and a lot of jokes now are about what else, what's going on out there, what's going on in your screen. It's all you know. It's. Yeah. It took me a while to catch up to it because I walked away from all this stuff, and then when I came back to looking at it, to like, let's see if I can use social media to, you know, bring more eyeballs to my website. I, I first I opened an Instagram account and put, my, you know, that I was controlling with my phone, and I posted a couple of pictures and stuff, and I got something like it's it's not verified. They won't they don't verify me. I I, I have one now that's got sixty thousand followers, and they don't. It won't be verified. Hmm. Uh, Why? I don't know. They don't tell you. <laughs> That's <laughs> weird. Yeah, they just won't. The but, deep state oh, hates you, Louie. What's that? The deep state in Silicon Valley. They're they're That's they're weird. against you, man. That's it, man. That's <laughs> it. They really give a shit about me. <laughs> um, but I posted a picture, and I had about eight thousand followers. And the second I pressed post, it started getting reactions which really freaked me out because I thought that you post it and that people get a notification that you have a new picture and then they, but it's not, they're always here. The phone, it's already here and stuff <laughs> keeps coming up. Yeah. And so yeah. your picture just came up and they liked it and swiped. I mean, incredibly fast. Yeah. I like that. It's like, and here's another one. I like that. It just keeps uh, coming. I can't get my head around that. It's the most unhealthy thing I think that's ever been done to people. Well, it's almost like that audience feedback that you would get in a live situation, but all of a sudden it's being mediated through this technology platform that, you know, Instagram, Facebook is like cashing in on this. Um, well, this also they reacted to what you said or did, and then there's somebody else there. Right. 
they're not even thinking about you now. So they're not sitting and enjoying you like an audience does. They're yeah. not taking them through a journey of jokes. They just, there's a you joke. Then there's a product that just became it. There's the new Ford Bronco. There's the, you yeah. know. <laughs> I can relate to this feeling a lot because I've, I've made a few documentaries for YouTube and uh -huh. I put so much work into like making them worth people's, you know, time to sit there and watch like an hour long video. But it, you don't get rewarded for that anymore. It's like the short TikTok kind of, world that we're in now where everything has to be this bite-sized instant you know injection and doing these sort of more art artistic sort of a thesis a, a piece a whole piece that requires people's like investment with their mind and you know their time it, it's it seems like it's it feels like you're asking so much of of people with that now but at the same time i, I think that people do miss that and crave that and i hope that the younger generations don't just get used to not having that and don't even I, want it. I think they do. I think they, um, I mean, I don't know. It's, I think anybody who uh, uh, offers something to people that's a value, they get it and then they want it again. I think that uh, there's going to be a natural arc to this whole thing. I hope so. It's not like anything else. And it's also got another component in it, which is AI, which is the it's faster and smarter than human beings. Yeah, because everything else like TV, they all said TV was going to change everything and it, it calmed down. It took its place. And the next generation grew up with it and we're cynical of it. You know, we're skeptical and mm. knew where to put it. And then cable TV, cable, oh my God, thousand channels, and the you know M MTV that was just like the biggest thing, you know. Yeah. Um, no, cares? I like who I cares? like that outlook because it's more but, it's, it's positive. It is positive, but there wasn't this thing where it's like this thing is is uh, is bigger than the whole human race. It can think quicker than everybody, and if everybody got together, they wouldn't be able to outthink it just because of how fast it is. When I did a special for Netflix, I was invited there to learn their system. They they ask, they like to show you what how it works. They're, and I like the people that I met there. And we, we sat in this big table. There's a lot of people involved. And they explained the algorithm. It's where I learned what it is. And they explained that your Netflix skin, what you see when you go to Netflix, is is only you're the only one that sees that version no one else has that version of netflix yeah that uh the second you start using it it starts understanding you and uh, i don't know if netflix can read where else you've been i don't know that but they said that um the thing they like to say was the algorithm is never touched by human hands they like saying that that's mm. but that's not possible that's such a lie <laughs> no but it is because they they write they write it but human they, hands they, write it. Yeah, well, human hands write it and set it in motion. But it's a formula for how you catch, grab, gather, right. and distribute that never gets that never gets touched. That's important to them for some reason. Yeah. That's okay. It. I think it's important it, for them to tell people that because I I don't believe it for a second. <laughs> I don't think they go in and and then you go well. Well, these these kind of people are getting too much of this, or we want to. Goose why would why wouldn't they? If you had if you had the levers of power, if you were sitting at the levers of power, and you created the levers of power yourself, why would you not use them? 
It's a good question. I don't know. I don't know why why they were it was like a religious moment when they told me. <laughs> do do they uh I, I noticed this with some other specials. I don't remember this in yours, but do they make do they encourage you to mention Netflix shows in uh did I your act? I don't think you did, but I remember watching some other acts at the same time on Netflix. Oh, I don't they're know. like, oh, what about that Stranger Things? You know, like something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I didn't I I don't think I I don't think there was that many Netflix shows. I did my mine in 2016. Okay. Very different world back then. But uh but yeah, I'm, I'm I don't know, maybe they do. Yeah, it was like the whole world changed after like 2016, 17, like everything shifted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you were talking before about the tension, right? And I think that's where you are like so skilled with your comedic act is that you bring you say all the fucked up things but yeah. you d you do it in a way that you sort of nurture your audience you're like you're you're a nice guy and you're you say it with like a love big loving heart so it's it's almost like you're showing this contradiction of like you know oh i i actually like care about human beings i'm a loving human being but i'm saying like the most fucked up things at the same time which is kind of forcing you to um have this moment of like uncomfortableness which makes yeah. you laugh and gets you used to like the fucked up things yeah um i mean is that is that even possible now like the the state of comedy just seems like the world we live in now everything is like has to be so woke everything has to be so like oh you can't say this it's gonna offend it's gonna offend x y or z when comedy is all about it's all about offending people so how do you how does comedy even exist well, again, I think, again, you're you're using the word everything. And it's just isn't it's just isn't true. It's the it's a perception that you're right. we can't let go. Of. You're and right. Even people like you who are like, I don't want to be part of this anymore. <laughs> still think of it as everything. You're right. No, you're it, right. It, it's a hard knot that's uh, of rubber bands, thousands and thousands of them. That's really hard to it pulls it has a gravitational pull and there's guys, you know, like I remember when there started to be alternate voices to, uh, orthodoxy. And, uh, I think anybody who thinks that they're, I'm a better person than you. And I, I know how to be a better person. I know right from wrong is crazy. That's a crazy person and a dangerous person. Uh, a a honest human state is confusion and in unsuredness about your own morality and trying to trying to figure it out you know mm. and, and not really knowing what's going on with other people um so when, whenever anybody starts talking like that you know it's just not going to go well whether it's from a religion or nationalism or this new thing it's just another new one it's not that different mm. it's not that different but um but it's it just it's part of things it just always is we always put somebody in that role it's like in television when i was a a young writer on uh network tv the prevalent moral authority was the church was was christianity sort of those sort of christians catholics especially and uh nobody really gave a shit about them but they gave them a huge amount of power for some reason because that's just who was the person yeah. back then. So back then when you wanted to do jokes, 
you had to check with standards and practices. And it was always about uh, um, Christian ideologies, whether it's, uh, you know, God himself or Jesus. But mostly we don't want to get into sex. We don't want to get into these. Uh, we don't want to talk about alternate alternative lifestyles. We don't want to discuss sexual sexuality and it's in detail. And we don't want to talk about race, race is touchy, but it was from a conservative Catholic point of view is what they didn't like about those things. And now it's the same topics, but it's just a different group. And people who make television now have to do this fucking thing where they go, okay, are we saying anything that's deemed racist? Are we saying anything that's, uh, you know, uh, uh, heteronormative? Are we saying anything that's this or that? So, but they yeah. find you find ways around it. I think is what people. If you want, you know, by the way, you don't have to make TV for network television. But there is a huge culture outside of the everything. True. It's a huge culture, and and comedy, by the way, is thriving. It's it's. I mean, I'm selling tickets in huge. I'm doing Madison Square Garden again in that, January. That's great. I mean, we saw you last year in Albany, and um, the audience loved you. I mean, they, yeah, was, why they, that happens to me every night and they don't, this thing you're describing is like, yeah, uh, yeah you, every, you, you have to be uh, careful and uh, not offensive and in little tiny increments. If you want to be well-regarded on TikTok and you want to be, if you want to be in that, if you want to be in the stream, if you want to be in the, in the, if you want to be algorithm mainstream, Yes, if you want to be algorithmic, even I, I got a, a a person to help me run an out an Instagram account just so I can have clips out there for people to see. And uh, she told me we got it with some of your stuff we can't put out there. <laughs> and, huh. and so I can't. You know, I'm like, what? So I'm like, that makes me just go. You just run it, and I don't want to hear about it. You know. <laughs> but yeah. uh, and it's not because I'm dirty. It's because I'm the things I say that are. That that you're describing the way that I like to work. That there's, if you upset someone, that's an exciting proposition. It's uh, it creates another atmosphere, and you can make them laugh in a way they're not used to laughing because they were yeah. just upset. Well, I mean, but I, for a while you were the mainstream. You were very mainstream. Yeah, I was. The public loved you, and you had you had like a Carlin esque quality where you were coming up and i think i mean i've pontificated about this and you know the the liberal it's the 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 fake reality world gets very mad when i pontificate about this because i think that you kind of tapped into sort of a populist working class sentiment that um which is which carlin did too and i think that that is sort of like threatening to that mainstream separate reality where they have to kind of keep things in a very like tightly controlled situation so yes and not to sound like oh you know the establishment wanted to take louis ck out but i think in a way like <laughs> you know i think that that sort of pop populist popular sentiment is kind of threatening to uh that controlled mainstream media that we're talking about yeah. that separate universe yeah, I think it kind of happens naturally. It's like when the power of something grows and grows, it knocks things down on its way up hmm. because it does those things don't mesh with it and they're not they don't feed it and they don't they're not symbiotic with it. 
So they just, it yeah. just knocks it over. It's just like in this new ecosystem where this is the new brand, this is the new thing, that guy's just not going to make it. So for whatever reason. And um, I think that the, I don't think anyone sits in a big room and says, let's talk about how to get rid of this person. I think it's yeah. just that things, certain kind of people just don't fit anymore, whether it's because of their past and their human traits or because of what they say, it's different for everybody. But uh but so so then you get this new it's a new but it it always crests quickly this kind of extremism it always crests and crashes quickly i and it and relatively speaking it has it's between 2016 and now which is a long time i mean it's five six years six years yeah. it feels long to us but it's it feels longer to you than to me i'm i've been i'm about twice your age i guess you're in your 30s you guys i don't um, know 36 late 30s yeah late 30s i'm 55 and so i have seen a couple of these and like the I, 90 the early 90s were like were like this right very much so and uh that one was felt kind of choking and crazy but uh it the thing is that it never really gets to the grassroots of the culture it just never gets there people still go to people have never stopped going to comedy shows even during the pandemic people kept going and uh they never stopped liking the same kind of comedy it's just that they they are people who go um they take their bodies to a place and they sit shoulder to shoulder with strangers and they sit and listen and see what happens that takes that's a different kind of person than someone who's staring into their phone trying to make sense out of life and trying to feel whole and this thing that they're trying to make feel make them feel whole is sucking more out of them so it's a they'll never stop looking at it it's a beautiful uh if there's probably some graph that shows how the algorithm works and destroys human life and then makes human life want to destroy itself more the graph is probably a very beautiful pattern. Like a, you know what I mean? Like well, a, you're, you're talking about algorithms before, you know, I've, I've done some research into this stuff and found out that actually the people who come up with these algorithms, they find out that they have the same kind of effect on people's brains as taking drugs. So they become addictive, you know, it's almost like they've created a, a, a drug with just, just by altering people's behavior without them having to take anything. But, just just through controlling like the media that they're seeing and the way they're seeing it, the way they present it to them. I mean, it's very addictive. I, that's a very um, exciting idea to say, every time I look at this screen, it's going to be catered to exactly what I want, you know? Yes, it is. And it's also going to narrow what yeah. you want and what you think about every time. And makes into that individualism, right? Rather yeah. than a collective sense of, like you're saying, literally going to a theater and sitting shoulder to shoulder with people and seeing how other people react to jokes, feeling that sense of like, oh, we're all laughing at this taboo thing altogether. And that sense of like. Yes, because an audience is a, is a uh, macrocosm of that thing that we described of a person, a whole person isn't pleased by art. Only parts of them are. And the conflict is what turns them on. It's, it's what makes it actually a really resonant experience. So that's the same with an audience that some people in the room are going to like it. Some people aren't and some people's parts are going to like it. And some of their parts aren't. And there's a part of everybody in there that doesn't like it. And being able to see that and manipulate it and play with it is I think what comedy can be, but it, 
it depends on this very open mind. This like, we're going to, we're here to, we're here to let you play, you know, and you can't do that if you limit these things. So the, the people who don't tolerate that, they don't go to comedy clubs. They never do. They just don't. They might go alone. And sometimes you see one crabby face in the audience and you just go, oh man, you should just not be here because <laughs> this is not going to please you. But as a whole, they usually don't go and they don't go enough to influence the work really. So do, do it ever, all takes place. Yeah. Do, do you ever uh, do crowd work and like you start talking to someone and then you instantly regret it or you think, oh, I, I need to leave this person alone. Like this, this is not a good idea. Like, yeah, I don't do crowd work much. Okay. I don't talk to them hardly at all, unless something happens um, uh, that I have to address. If some noise is made or something that distracts the audience, then I'll talk to them. But uh, but some guys are masters at that. Like there's a guy named Alan Havey. He's a great comic, works at the Comedy Cellar a lot. And he'll come off the stage and just tell you like, that guy, there's a guy to the right, don't talk to him. And he didn't even talk to me. Just he looked at him and he's like, that guy's bad news. Don't talk to that. Huh. <laughs> you know, by the way, my my uncle, uh, he works in stained glass in New York City. And he actually did the stained glass that's behind. Uh, you know, Is that's that like right? The, yeah, the icon the, the comedy of, of the comedy cellar. Is yeah. it the comedy cellar that yeah. has the stained glass? Yeah, nope. that's it. Well, he's a legend. Wow. <laughs> that's a great piece of work. Yeah small world it's a, die, it's a dying art you know it's like not not many people do that work anymore well yeah stained glass has got it must be must be but you know it is people it's like all the people with twisty mustaches that get into vinyl and uh you know become, <laughs> there's always somebody who comes back around yeah the things and i think that every time it's never worked when people try to take over the world it just doesn't work the <laughs> audience the people People don't like being controlled. People don't like their minds being put to sleep. They get restless and they want to see something outside. And they keep, you keep thinking you're containing them, but they keep leaking out of the holes and then they'll surround you and, and crush you. And that's especially true with entertainment and, and politics. The, the people, I mean, that's what, you know, Trump was, it was, he, they just, they got it wrong. They got these people that are sure they know what how Americans feel and how to tell them what to feel. They didn't see that coming in a million. That was, the, I think, the most instructive thing about his victory. His presidency was just a just a wasteland of narcissism. But his victory was a lesson. It was a you guys don't know what you're doing. None of you know what you're doing. You and, and the worst part is you think you do. You are sure you do. And so I think that's this there we're in a similar moment where they just they think this algorithm is the thing, but you can walk up behind an algorithm and and unplug it or you can just walk away from it. You can actually walk away from it. Yeah, it's contained in the screen. Yes. It's, and so you and sometimes you see it on people's faces. And you get you can see it's like the Matrix guys with the sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. You see a, some guy and then he shivers and he turns into a guy in a suit, you know, and you go, <laughs> oh, fuck. You see it around, you know? Yeah. But um, but humans have never been dominated for, I mean, sometimes they, they are for a while. Um, but, uh, but they always find a way out, you know? Well, they, sometimes it's just because they want to have fun. 
Well, that, and that's where it's kind of interesting uh, with China. Like they they have a lot of controls on social media and uh, limiting the amount of time, especially kids. Like they they say that video games and social media are like the modern opium. Uh, and some might say that's totalitarian, but also they're protecting people from, uh, you know, they call it the the great the great firewall, just like the great wall. Like they're trying to huh. prevent the outside influence. Uh, from getting into China, and I know you you did an episode of your TV show in China. I did, um, and I I saw like a quote that you said that it was like it was like going to Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> I just wanted to know more about that because yeah, you know, I'm sure that struck people like. Uh, the know, reason it strange. looked like Dayton is just the architecture that they don't. I found out because I just thought because I'm just an American with a, you know, stereotypical view of the world that we'd go to china and find these like chinese old places yeah <laughs> old man with a triangle hat going <laughs> you know, violin thing yeah. <laughs> and that's what i went there to, I, to film and we had a hell of a time finding it we had great people there we had a great we our crew was chinese like we had heads of department we brought with us but we only could afford to fly like six people there but the crew is a Chinese film crew. And they were, I, I think about them sometimes, they were so great. And they were, you know, when you go to another country, you go like, oh, this guy's just like this guy. Like they had counterparts in my memory of American crews. Yeah. The, the, in the Chinese well, version. I mean, they have a very the robust version. entertainment uh-huh. industry there. So they have what? I mean, they have a very robust entertainment industry. Oh, huge. Yeah. They, they do great with their movies. Yeah. And so, um, but we all and none of us could touch each other's language. They didn't speak. There was no one spoke English and we didn't speak any Chinese. But we knew uh, 10 millimeter. We knew <laughs> jib. Uh, we knew, you know, get a sandbag. Although all those words are in English. But so when we got to China, they told us they do not value old construction here. It's just not an idea there mm. that... Ooh, a pre-war, you know, or yeah. like you know, historic preservation. That's really fucking interesting. Cause just, I was just thinking about that today. Cause you know, in Kingston in the Hudson Valley, all these rich people that are moving up from New York City, they love that kind of antique yeah. shit. They love that stuff. Yes, they do. They love it. And in China, they don't give a shit. It's just <laughs> it, it doesn't register as interesting to them. Yeah. So there was one, they found me one section of of Beijing that was kind of a slum that had kind of old slopey, you know, uh, 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 roofs, uh, but they didn't, mostly it just looks like a, just a, a really dreary modern place. <laughs> um, I mean, for walking through the city, the enormous, uh, um, crowds of bicyclists, like the streets are so the, there's a, the main thing about Beijing is that you can't breathe the, the smog, you can't see across the street because of smog Mm -hmm. it was it was and you immediately start feeling it and Mm -hmm. uh it's just horrible to like was it like la used to be or much worse Mm -hmm. i've never seen i mean i used to live in mexico city when i was a kid mexico city was like that in the 70s Mm -hmm. but this was worse than i remember that anyway it was just you can't see the tops of buildings and it's just a haze of of uh gray smoke Mm -hmm. um and because uh, it's just such a huge population and uh, they're all going places. It's a very busy place. Yeah. I, I probably saw a very small fraction of Beijing when I was there. Um, but uh, but the main thing is the people. 
I, I, I guess the way that it felt to me was like everyone's chill. Everyone's doing their thing because they found their safe lane in life. Hmm. But if you fuck around, uh, like I did a show, they asked me to do a stand-up show and hmm. there was an expatriate American comedian who was doing stand-up shows there. So he had me come on. And um, he didn't say anything to me before the show. And I just did my show. And I was think, trying to think of things about China. And I said, like, I want to fuck every Chinese woman, even like <laughs> even like the tiny 120-year-old ones are sexy to me. <laughs> and all this stuff. And after the show, he said, you can't say stuff like that here. And I said, look, I, I won't, I'm not doing another show. So why do we even talk about this? You know, hmm. you didn't tell me. And yeah. he was really scared. And he said, I need you to write, I need you to sign a, um, a letter that says you didn't mean anything you said, that you just take it all back. Wow. And I said, I can't do that because I can't let a document like that exist in the world mm. because it's not true. And he said, uh, if you don't, I might disappear. He used that phrase. It's a phrase that they say there a lot. Um, but to be... Like Fair. meaning you would disappear? He him. would, but he would disappear. And uh I don't know what happened to him. I never saw him again, but uh <laughs> so I don't know if he disappeared. But <laughs> he actually did it. Let's yeah. follow up. Let's follow he up. On that. Yeah, he disappeared from my life. But to be fair, also he was an American expat. And I don't know if he has a heightened fear of that. The yeah. feeling you get is that you don't fuck around there and nobody's telling you not to. There's no police on the street. Mm-hmm. It's a totalitarian state with no no visible authority because it's been there for so long. Um, one guy, expat, again, I was talking to there. I said, so is this a communist country? <laughs> and he said, no, <laughs> no, not at all. It's a great place for business. It's a it's a, that's over. And I huh. said. So it's just a totalitarian state. And he said, what one must and then he started sound he sounded different he started talking different in a way that made me think he was told to say these things because they weren't even good english and he's american he mm-hmm. was like one must always think that after all the population is so large that a different system must be in place for the good of the people to control and to keep them yeah. in a place of harmony after all it's so many people and i was like this <laughs> this is weird this guy sounds different well this is, it's this like is... a mix of confucianism and marxist leninism where it's uh you know it, it's something that that actually like americans have a hard time understanding that mm. um because it's they call it socialism with chinese characteristics so it's something that almost doesn't like it gets lost in translation almost and that that kind of makes sense that he, he couldn't even describe it it may that's a good observation i think that may be true there's another guy again have to report american expat said that he and were in there and these guys are all married to chinese women and live with their mothers-in-law and all their families these are all guys that i three guys i met who had made that big choice and are living there the third one told me that he where he lived there was a school that fell uh elementary school because it was made of shit bricks and uh all the kids the first there was one day where it's like the kids are dead they're all dead mm. and then the next day people just stopped talking about it 
Wow. It just became a non a non story, and everyone fell in line by just changing the subject. Again, mm-hmm. three expat Americans told me these kinds of stories. I didn't speak to anyone Chinese about like how is your life. Hmm. Um, because I didn't meet that many for long. I was only there for two and a half days. Um, but so I don't know, man, I don't know if it's, if it's different there, if it really is, I don't know how much truth there is to that stuff. And maybe it is. I do know that any large group of people that is controlled by a government, um, there has to be, um, they make calculations about letting that some people need to die and some people make it and some don't. Some people prosper and some don't. And and that anyone in government that controls all those people has to be cynical and has to be uh, has to allow suffering because you can't. There's no system where everyone does great. <clears throat> um, yeah. So maybe that's theirs and this is ours. Uh, and they're different. But I don't. I have no fucking idea. I can't yeah. wrap my head around stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think something that, uh, you know, the 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 dynamic you mentioned with, uh, you know, deciding about how, you know, how you how you manage a giant population and all that. I mean, my impre- my impression at least is that China has a much more optimistic outlook on on that. I mean, from the sm- from the smog itself, like that, and that is kind of the. The contradiction is that in order to have a high quality of high quality of life or lots of economic activity, you know, they're constantly building new cities, constantly building, but it causes smog and it causes people, you know, people don't like having dirty air, but they also want to create prosperity. Whereas, you know, here in the United States, it's kind of it's a little different, especially in our bubble up here in upstate New York, where people up here are like never ever oh you want to build something never ever build something near me i don't want the everything needs to be exactly the way it, it has always been and like everyone up here i mean there's been such a dramatic change in the last 10 years in upstate new york where uh all the economic activity is not based on anything in the physical world it's all everyone up here has an email job or like makes their money in new york city and just comes up I don't mean to, to single you out or anything, but you yeah. know, that's just how it is. Like there's no, there's no factories here anymore. There's nothing that creates smog or anything because the economy is completely decoupled. Yeah. Well, you city the people real, are the ruining real world. For, are ruining yeah, I know. Well, this is nice though. I don't, I'm not going to lie. Oh, you don't have to be nice. Yeah. It's okay. Where does it, where does it all go though? Because these jobs that become abstract, that become, uh, which, by the way, nothing nothing doesn't have a cost. We know that there's data farms just belching, you know, uh, uh, heat into the air every time that you tweet or Google. Yeah, right. But, you know, like people that talk about, well, then let's just give Americans $2,000 a week to be alive, you know, like that kind of idea. It's like yeah. they don't have to have jobs then where what do we do like what is what is life then i don't I'm not sure what the and, and then you look at china and you go if they're going to expand and expand prosperity is a weird word because mm-hmm. it's like what is it what what are we what can you keep prospering until everyone's a if everyone's a billionaire who's working for the are the millionaires uh driving us around the billionaires like or, or that's where we, that's when we get to fully automated luxury space communism 
Is that the idea? Is that the the goal? You know, I I think that is where that that phrase comes from. Is that um, I mean, so if you look at the trajectory of the human race, is that um, all of our technology has a, allowed us to work less hard, right, and become more rich as a population, help our population grow. So that's sort of the trajectory, right? Is that the more of us there are, the more uh, innovation we have, the more technolo technological uh, advances we have liberates us from having to do work that is keeping us sort of, you know, this menial work that has to keep us alive. We can automate more things. I don't think we'll ever get to a point where everything's automated. I think, and I think that human beings like to work together to produce a bigger and better and greater world for all of humanity. And, you know, <laughs> Do I sound, you're laughing. Do I sound idealist? Well, no, it's just that the further you go down this road, the more abstract the words get. Hmm. Bigger, better, more ideal, more prosperous. Mm -hmm. um, but but couldn't you but what's use good? that to describe? I yeah. mean, how would, couldn't that accurately describe the way? I mean, of course there've been yeah. ups and downs throughout human history. The bubonic plague obviously was a huge downset for humanity, but yeah. the overall trajectory has been towards, I mean, that's how we ended up here, right? Where, towards what? Towards prosperity, where we can sit, you, you and I can sit around and talk over this thing called the internet and we can go to the store and buy food and we don't have to worry about starving to death and we have heat in our house in the winter we have a we have an we have a an electrified carriage that we can take to go to different places we can travel the world that's like a thing yeah. that people can but easily the, do and everybody else in the world is living the same way right right they that's have, that's the goal is to lift lift up the, the entire world to that standard of living. But what is what 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 is that life? What is the what are the moments and the days of that life? What is the what you're just a a fed entity? You're a warm and comfortable room temperature. Fed you have you have entity. more time to create, to make movies, to write comedy. Does everybody shows. make a movie. Does yeah, why not? I mean, what's the movie about? People, well, that's what YouTube is. After right? a few, after a few generations, the movie is about people look just being comfortable in room temperature and well fed. So, <laughs> so you're saying there has to be anything. you're saying you're saying there has to be conflict. There has to be suffering in order to make great art. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that life is uh, ex an experience on the earth. It's a sort of it's a it's a daily survival and travel and ob observation of of the world and you're put here and let's see how you do and good luck but and but i think i think you could you could think that in a world that where there's more opportunity for people people would have a greater range of experiences if if you know their life was rich if, if their life was like i have the opportunity to 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 do something instead of let's say you're born in upstate you know you're a local person in upstate new york and you're born and there's nothing, there's nothing being built. There's nothing being made. And you're just serving, you know, a certain class of people. That's a different life than, you know, having a, a wider range of possibilities. I guess, but it's like, at some point, what do those experiences become? If 
you know, like one thing that I think the younger generation is learning right now, it's like that, like you described, I want to travel. I want that to be a choice I can make. I want the freedom and the right and not to be encumbered by tasks and, and, uh, uh, and participation in an economy I didn't ask to be part of. I just want to travel and see other human beings. Okay, we'll get on a plane. It stops you right there. It's like, how do we get things like this, air travel? Because mm -hmm. of people who dedicated their lives to a very competitive and hierarchical and traditional skill-based, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the flying around and the, there's somebody that's passing on the knowledge to the next generation of air traffic controllers and updating it. And there's engineers who are figuring out every day, better ways to do it, safer ways to do it. And there's pilots, but you know, then you get, then you get like the pandemic and these years have been an interesting experiment in this. You have the, during the pandemic, all the airlines were going down because the planes are empty. It was it was a really interesting. If you could have if you could have found a way to see how life really works, this was such an amazing amazing the modern life. Shut the airplanes off. What do we, what do we do? All these airlines are going to go down. A huge hole crater in the economy, uh, and the ability to travel when the pandemic is over. So they took they found any pilot who's close to. Uh, retirement age which are the best pilots <laughs> and they force them into early retirement or incentivize them look we'll triple your pension if you leave now because we know that that's less than just ha paying you to sit there and a salary that was just every day the the, the Air american airlines chief is writing a check to the employments you know to you know to the employees that's like going to nothing it's just money going out so he, they got all their pilots to retire and gave them enough to make it worth for them not to fly anymore. And then um, the, the American government gives them a shit ton of money, just gives them money, the airlines, because yeah. they passed that bill, just massive amounts of money. So now the pandemic is over and all these young kids who want you know they want to fly they just want to go somewhere and they got their jobs dislodged from their office and they want to go see you know mexico city and there's no fucking pilots and it would be it's a huge effort to train a bunch of new pilots and the airline's like why would we do that we we have money the government gave us they have no incentive yeah because they're sitting on a big pile of cash and uh, you know they're like this, the 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 NFL team that with the worst record gets to have the first pick. They're like, I don't want to start showing them doing well. And so the, the point I'm making is just that the world, the it's very taken for granted. The world structure that lets people travel and watch things and be part of things was built on on labor competition and tradition and tradition of skill and. Um, and people with all kinds of menial jobs, but that, that who had families. So I don't not, and I don't, I'm not defending anything. I just know that that's, I just think, I don't think anyone's got it right. I don't think that there is the, I, I, I think the real problem is that people want more than they can hold in their hands. And I think that's what fucks them up. I think people's imaginations are just, are just crazy and it leads them to tragedy. And, and they have this idea of owning a bunch of shit.
I'm a victim of that. What am I doing? Uh, you know, I'm not a victim of it, but I'm an, I'm an idiot of that. I'm a sucker <laughs> of um, that must be a hard life, Louis. Having so, so many, having so many nice things. Well, I mean, every person does. Every person Time, no. got a, every person that's got a bank account. That's you know what I mean. It's like if if the world you're describing of like people being free from the bullshit, which is a good idea, but that freedom I think makes would simplify people's lives. I think it would be that people just uh, fucking grow their own food and trade with their friends. And uh, and somebody over there makes clothes and they're pretty good at it. So we buy some of his and you just walk. And if you want to travel, just walk, walk or get a bicycle. Um, <laughs> I think that's the that's a, a version of the world. You're are just, you going to bike up you are you bike upstate when you come visit us? Sure. That would be something if like, <laughs> I want to go upstate. Oh, I'm getting so tired of this city. Well, get a bicycle <laughs> and take a few days. Like, you know, I was reading John Adams's biography and a lot of the, the guy's really good at describing that like he's doing all this stuff in Boston and then he gets called to Philadelphia. So there's like 10 pages of him going to Philadelphia, <laughs> you know, get a horse, his son and him and they stop at an inn. I mean, and, if you have the time to do it, it's nice. If you like have the time to bike and, and the physical ability to bike. Yes. I'm just, I think that there's gotta be a, the, that it'd be a better world if that was the only option in a sense. Oh but man! But it's not human nature. I can't human say nature. I agree with you on that, Louis. Why? Tell me. Well, be, I mean, I think what you're describing is wonderful. If you have that as a choice, you have the choice to do that. You could, if you, if that didn't work out, you could still drive your your car up. You know, if you had, if you were forced to, oh, if you, the only way you can get upstate is you have to walk or bike. Yeah. Then it becomes pretty horrible, and you're like, I'm never going upstate. You know, like <laughs> what's so horrible about why, why would why would you like? <laughs> I mean, if you're no, if I, you're forced to do these things, that's yeah. because because the the ability, even though the ability exists for you to get upstate in an hour and a half, yeah. is there. You don't have access to it. The technology exists, but you don't have access to it, which means somebody does. You what is don't. this with human beings that they need to they need to move faster than their bodies can travel? I just think it's bizarre. I think we're a bizarre species. Well, because we're not satisfied with what our bodies can do. Because we, because yeah. we can prevent. So all this technology has led to things where we can, if we break our arm, we can be taken by a vehicle to a hospital and have our arm fixed. You know, I mean, we think about, we're talking about vacation terms of just being able to go up and leisurely enjoy yourself. But what yeah. about an, an emergency? Wouldn't you, if you're, um, if your mother fell and broke her arm or your child fell and, you know, something happened, wouldn't you want a car to like a, an ambulance to come and get them and take Yes, them? I would. And so that's, and look, I like the world in a lot of ways, but I'm saying if you want that ambulance and you want that hospital waiting and you want everything in between and the system of red and green lights that gets the ambulance there safely you got to have a little respect for the system that built all that. And I guess right. some idea that we're going to reach some point where all of that is automated and nobody has to run it and it well, just runs on its own and everyone gets to just think and watch movies or make movies <laughs> and talk to their friends and go to, go to Italy, even though Italy will just look like here now. I think it's a version. <laughs> I think it's a death wish. That's what I think it is. I think it's a wish not to live on the earth anymore because it's really absurd 
that human beings have gotten to the point where they're having that existential of a conversation where it's like, what if, I, well, why do I have to do anything? <laughs> like, well, because I don't, do, I don't want to have to do anything. But you want to like, do things. You don't, but what? but you want to do things, right? Yeah, I but mean, what do you don't want to have to do anything? You don't want to have to do anything. No one should have to do anything. Well, don't you enjoy, do don't you enjoy doing things when it's your, more of your own choice to do them? Not necessarily. Like, I'm sure like take you have to take care of your kids, although they're grown ups now, but you yeah. had to take care of your kids. You enjoyed doing that, right? Yes, but but I had I didn't have a choice. I mean I did. I could have walked out on them. Right. Right. So there's a thing where you you couldn't you didn't have a choice. You had to do it, but you like doing it. Right? That's sort it was of... my responsibility. Well, and so what that isn't that the world that we want to live in where everyone yep. feels like everyone else is their children and we're doing it because not because we have to, but because, you know, this is humanity that we're taking care of. We're taking care of each other all together. And yes, the more luxuries we, we have, the more technology that allows us to prosper and to live longer and live better mm -hmm. lives. I mean, isn't that, aren't these all good things that we should strive for? I, I don't know. I, I wonder about that. I wonder because I think that there's a there's an old version of kind of like a, a utopia, sort of a kind of a version of communist utopia or something where it's like we just everyone gets equal and and where you you stop all this ambition and it's based on need. But that that was always commensurate with a simpler life and where where things are a little you know like soviet countries are very drab you know and that might be partly because of uh corruption and whatever but also because or totalitarian control but also because that was the approach of communism it's just paint it gray put a red star on it and just you know you should look at the blanket. halls the halls that stalin decorated they're like ornate yeah. and beautiful and intricate um i think that that this sort of everyone's equal and has like their gruel their like government you know yeah. <laughs> gruel or whatever and they all wear gray t-shirts i think yeah. this is like a stereotype and it's a it's a negative oh, no it is but what i'm saying is the new generation has a new version where it's like i want that all equal communist idea but i want it to have i want a phone i want like i well, want i think i want I think a big you're... screen i want to watch marvel movies I want luxury. <laughs> I want luxury. Well, no, luxury. you're at, you're you're all have you're describing you're like actually yeah. you're you're exactly right about that. And that's what this new generation thinks of when they think of communism. Yeah. And, we and all that, get a nice And that is bullshit. Fuck yeah. everyone. No, okay. Fuck everyone being equal. Yes, there should be some competition. There should be some aspiration. There should yeah. be some entrepreneur entrepreneurial ownership ship yeah ownership over things people people should there should be an incentive for people to work hard and get rewarded for that um that doesn't have to just exist in the paradigm that we're in now i mean people think that communism has to be but i you know i don't really need to sell sell people on communism i think ultimately if we can agree on like well we want everyone to strive for a better world um whether that includes I mean, it, it includes having the technology so that more people can live better lives, but also, you know, encourage uh, competition that stimulates uh, new technology and new striving to new heights. I think that's like the balance that we want to get to, right? I guess. I, 
I guess. I don't know. I'm really question all of it. I don't think anyone's come up with the right thing. And I do think it's cultural, like you're saying about China. Like my, my mother told me when I was a kid, because I got really into communism when I was a kid. I just was so excited by the idea that there was another way to do things and that this is all bullshit. And I remember I met a guy, I was in junior high school at the time, and I started skipping school a lot. And I would go take the the T, that was the, the metro in Boston, the, the subway system, into town. And there was this guy in an army jacket uh, handing out worker, uh, what is it, the the newspaper, like, you know. Worker's World or something like that. Yeah. And he was handing out, and I read it, and I, and I went up to him. I said, what is this? He says, well, I'm a communist, and I'm, you know, dedicated my life to this. And so I hung out with him for a while. I used to go every day to Harvard Square. My mother would have been horrified. And I just would hang out with this guy. And he would do stuff like would be on the subway and there'd be like an ad like in and he would take the ad out and put a, a, a the news the workers world newspaper <laughs> in it. And he did little subversive things like that. And <laughs> and uh, he took me to s visit a guy who was a, a El Salvadorian uh, communist guerrilla who was trying to fight the government and was was smuggled up to Harvard Square, like near Harvard University. And I got to meet that guy and the guy. uh asked me if I had any tapes he had no music to listen to. And I had, back then it was cassettes, and I had some. And he said, oh, ACDC. And the, my communist friend was like, no, 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 that's that's like uh, male chauvinist rock. That's like, uh, <laughs> like he didn't want him to listen to it. Well, those like, kind of communists suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was fascinated by the guy. And I talked to my mom about it. And my mom is a very brilliant person who I really respected. So she said, look, it's a nice idea, but it's predicated on the idea that people take care of each other and uh, even take care of people they don't know. And that 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 a system can be built on on that and uh, and that everyone's going to be honest. It's hard to have. It doesn't contain dishonesty or selfishness very well. And what capitalism does is it runs on it. It runs on on selfishness. And that's human nature is aggression and, and ambition and selfishness and and uh, competition. And so it's a system that everyone's intention is played out through their, through what they can create and sell and what they, and what they, they vote with their dollars. And it just sort of creates a balance because everyone's pushing against each other, but somehow it's like, you, you only prosper if you made a good one. Those kind of, that there's, a, that system is based more on human nature than communism is. But human nature isn't a monolith. And like you just said, in China, very different. It's just they, they're, yeah. they're, they're, uh, their musical scale is different. Their yeah. rhythmic scale is that every single thing, the alphabet, the, the, the going from top to bottom with the alphabet, it's wildly different right. brains. And, the, and that their, their philosophy and religion was Taoism and and Confucianism, what a massively different thing than Christianity and democracy, right. whatever we call this shit. You know. Well, so I wonder what your friend in Boston was like with hating America or something like that, because I, I you know, in, in our view, like we don't even think America as it was conceived is a bad thing. Uh, you know, there were founding fathers like Hamilton, especially, who were focused on, uh, you know, building up the the productive capacity of America. Uh, ending slavery and um, you know, kind of emancipating the country from the British and fulfilling this 
um, vision of America that was based on, you know, making a prosperous country versus um, kind of the the debt slavery system that um, has been built up instead. I mean, we, we don't even necessarily hate America, you know, for for that, because actually the 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 ideals of America are actually awesome. And, yeah. you know, imposing like it's, it, communism is not something that would be imposed. It would be something that would have a a specific character that is like playing out socialism the American with, dream. Socialism you know? with American characteristics yeah. as opposed to Chinese characteristics. It's a really interesting thought. I wonder what it would look like and and uh, how it would function and how it would deal with um, the German people, you know, the the, 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 the thing that makes things not work, you know. <laughs> um, how does it deal with that? Because the Darwinism of capitalism uh, helps with some of that stuff, but it also has a lot of um, paradoxes in it because people at the top are so fucking corrupt and gross. Yeah. So it's like there's so many ways to manipulate it if you get in the right spot. There's so many ways. You know, like I, I remember I used to study, by the way, that communist guy, I saw I, he disappeared for a while and then I saw him and he had cut his hair and he was really clean cut and he was like, listen, I, Wall I shouldn't have been, it's all bullshit. I shouldn't have been into that. <laughs> <laughs> he totally changed his mind. But, and he was like, I'm sorry, you were very young. I shouldn't have been, you know. Oh, God. But, uh, but that was like, he was probably a Trotskyist. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sounds like it. But, but, but so, um, oh, what was I saying? The, 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 oh, yeah. Something that I studied for a while that I thought was so interesting is how capitalism actually degrades human uh experience and it degrades its own products yeah so one example was beta and vhs there there's uh two two rival technologies when videotape was invented how you encode the data on the videotape there was two rival ways beta and vhs and beta is just far better it's just i mean they still use beta tapes in some places like mm. beta was the professional standard but vhs just they knew they were second best and so they just finagled and got to the right senators and different you know got got the right plant built they just did all the you know and they just fought and got vhs became the one that everyone took home and it looks like dog shit yeah. and, but they just won because they knew they weren't as good so they just did the bullshit tactics to to beat beta just was like this one's better and this goes all throughout american history Tesla and Edison, you know, the Edison's machines just weren't, Tesla was a genius and his were more intuitive and more natural. And Edison's were a little bit stupid. So he would just sue the fuck out of Tesla yeah. who, who wasn't a fighter. He was an artist. So he, so Edison won. Same with Microsoft and, and, and Mac. Microsoft Windows was such a stupid, the skin put on top of the DOS environment. Yeah, you it used to be you bought a Microsoft machine and you you typed commands and it would you yeah. know MS DOS yeah and then and then uh, and the, and then what's his name made Steve Jobs made a an environment user that interface you, that you could be in so Microsoft made this Windows environment that was just a very bad copy that had huge limits but and they knew they just didn't have what Jobs had so they just fucking just just got yeah. bundled with machines and just went you know. Well, well, Apple copied some printer company. Some I forget 
some major printer company had a very similar operating system in the early 80s and then apple ripped it off but i can't remember i don't even remember the printing company because that's why right they got killed by that so that's, that's what, what happens we, we've always been as consumers given the second best even record players <clears throat> there was two kinds of grooves there was the grooves that go up and down and there's grooves that go side to side that looks like a zigzag and the zigzag is far better because the gravity is taken out of the equation and it does never gets worn out but up and down one because that's who got the patents. That's who got, you know, that's who won those battles. It's almost like we're not even in cap the idea of capitalism that we have where it's like, you know, the greatest idea wins. It, that isn't even how it really works out in the end. That's not the case anymore. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Not anymore because the capitalism, the functioning of capitalism, the meta of capitalism, uh, the framework of it, those guys got so good that that became what drove them. Like I, I used to love donuts when I was a kid uh, more than anything. And I grew up in New England, which is a donut place because it's cold. And people used to, there used to be donut shops everywhere or just independently owned family donut shops. And inevitably you go and you get a box of pink, pink box and it's like, you can see there's stains in it because the grease is getting through the cardboard to the outside. That's how greasy they were. And they were so, there was a place near my house, Cottage Donuts. And my mom would sometimes give me a $5 bill and say, get a dozen donuts. And I was so happy. Such good donuts baked every morning fresh. And uh, their recipes would be refined by the competition of taste that New Englanders know donuts. And mm -hmm. if you don't make them incredibly good, you'll just go fucking down. You just won't make it. So these families looked after their recipes and refined them and only the best survived, right? Yeah. That was donuts up until 1980 about. And then Dunkin' Donuts came along. Yep. And they followed the example of McDonald's of like, let's mass produce. But they couldn't fool New England donut eaters because they have a high bar, right? So they found the they figured out a recipe but then the and the advertising there was this guy with a brush mustache and it's it's a phrase that's still in american usage time to make the donuts you've heard people say that yeah so the point of that com commercial was that it was four in the morning and he's just woke up and he says time to make the donuts yeah. and it was a subtle thing that they're selling the misery of their employee to tell you you're going to get fresh donuts we're yeah. not making some bullshit McDonald's donuts. We're making them the way you're used to. And it was, they were so good. I started eating Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> they were so good because they made them fresh every morning, starting at four. You can't make them otherwise. You have to get up at four to make donuts for people that are going to buy them on their way to work. Mm. So Dude, they don't, were, don't take that long to make, huh? Yeah, because you boil, it's like a bagel in a way. I think there's a, it's like a, you're mm. deep fried and then baked. So uh, they were that good, Dunkin' Donuts, and they were everywhere. They were scaled, so there'd be like three on a street, and they shut down those mom-and-pop shops, couldn't, couldn't um, compete. All gone. All those tradition, all that, the, the story of that store, it's over. Dunk okay, so Dunkin' Donuts is taking care of our donuts now, but then they move to other states that aren't donut-obsessed they become a national company and then they become an international company and they find out nobody really gives a shit how early you, you need to get up to make donuts and they start making them shittier and shittier and then they start making sandwiches and the CEO of Dunkin' Donuts said in an interview 
um, we're not a donut company anymore. It's called mm. Dunkin' now. Mm. We're, we're a beverage, we're a coffee company, and we sell some pastries. So that means that great donuts are, they just gone because they took custody of the idea. Yeah. They killed the tradition because those family shops, that level of capitalism, a family shop, when they're suffering, they lay off employees and, and then the, their daughter has to come after school, right? Mm. And they they just, the, the dad doesn't get to go on fishing trips. This is a bad year. We'll get through it because this is our store. What are we, this is our life. Yeah. But, but, but big companies don't do that. They just pull up stakes. So they don't give a shit. They don't care. And, and and American consumers don't give a fuck where they get anything. So yeah. places like in upstate New York, they're like in Hudson, New York, used to have this beautiful uh, hardware store. But then there was a Walmart. And this hardware store, his neighbors don't give a fuck. They just, they rather buy a rake for 10 cents less. Yeah. They don't give a shit about his family. That's so on the consumer. And that's how people are. They just want what they or- want it. Maybe they can't. Maybe they can't afford the expensive rake anymore because the rent has gone up or whatever. It's. I think what you're describing is an economic system which does kind of create this abundance, but it's not a sustainable abundance because it it starts to collapse under the weight of itself. And what we need to do is figure out what piece of the puzzle is creating that incentive to just you know sort of grow and cannibalize itself we need a system that sort of provides for the the, all the donut shops let's let's have big industry that creates donut machines so all the small donut donut shops can stay open but not a not a mega donut conglomerate that needs to like um homogenize the donut experience for everyone in the world to create to make sure that they have the largest market market capture of the donut market, you yeah. know, and, and, it, and it's not even necessarily like, Oh, well, that means we need, we need to tell people we need communism to save the donut shops. It's simply like the American system that Hamilton proposed where we have a national bank. And instead of enabling giant corporations uh, to take over our communities, we, you know, a, a, a public bank, you know, a mom and pop shop can go to a public bank and get a get a fair deal um to stay in business versus yes they can but they will then they will go like they go to shark tank right you ever watch shark tank yeah. oh we love that show <laughs> i love it <laughs> so, who's your favorite shark it's hard to say because i i love something about each of them really damon, uh, damon is the is so thoughtful i when i yeah. watch listen to people he, he cool. has an intuition for humans and for capitalism that's very quick mm-hmm. but it's very feeling oriented and then uh, uh, Mark Cuban is brilliant. It's fun to watch his brain work. And it's also fun to watch him dominate the other ones. The fact that he yeah. can't touch them is funny to me. Uh, Kevin O'Leary's shtick got kind of old, but he's still pretty good. He's my favorite. Uh, I love Kevin. He's the mean guy. Yeah, <laughs> I love he's the mean guy. And then Laurie. I think Laurie's really, uh, um, really shrewd. And Barbara Corcoran is her, the street smarts of Barbara Corcoran is my favorite the way she says like you know like <laughs> this is a great pitch it's a little too good there's something i don't trust about you yeah. you even have like the Fuck right off. angle of your mouth the way she says it to you like yeah that. yeah she does that <laughs> that's all the plastic surgery i yeah. can't that's i'm right. like the opposite i can't stand barbara she's like my I least favorite great. i think she's great <laughs> i like I the kind Lord, bar guy the kind bar guy i like the kind bar guy that comes on 
Oh yeah, he's okay. The the he's the, a guest. He's got a little accent. He's got the British accent. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, I, they stopped inviting A Rod on because his whole yeah. shtick. A Rod would come on. He'd be like, "Oh, I don't like this, but I know somebody uh, who likes to dance, and she would like like this." And <laughs> yeah, yeah. he'd always be alluding to Jennifer Lopez. But now that yeah. they broke up, yeah, they're like, yeah. "Yeah, screw you, A Rod. We don't need you." you no, know? he's no fun. But I like. I think Lori might be my favorite. I think she has the smartest overall knowledge of products and how they work but when people go on there they're like we you know my friends loved my cookies so i'm like i'll make you know more cookies for you and <laughs> uh so but then now we're oh my god and it's kind of exciting and then we went viral and all this and then but they always go how's it scale how does it scale we yeah. got to get it into a kitchen into mm. a you know fake kitchen somewhere and and, and how and can we make it in china yeah, because they always do that moment where they're like, "It's all American made," and the sharks are like, "I don't, I don't care about that. That's horseshit." <laughs> no, they give them the little pity clap. They're like, "Oh, that is so yeah, great." Oh, thank you, good for you. But the thing is that it's not enough for people to like. I make, I make something. My family makes it, and we and sell it good. to our neighbors, and we're doing great. They want if you start giving like only loans to small companies, they'll all just want to be trillionaires. Right. Every, it's just this thing human beings do that's right it's just part of them it's well like, i mean not necessarily we alex and i started a business and we were starting to grow it and that sucked and i said fuck this let's shrink our business and it's been great ever since but uh on shark tank the, the two ways that it goes is that either either it's like oh we may you know let's get it to China. Let's get the cost down as much as possible yeah. but then the other thing they do now is like every other product is like, well, the reason, you know, it's a, uh, I don't know, it's a glass. And usually these cost, you know, $2 at Walmart, but we're selling this glass for $10 because it's sustainable because we make it from recycled right. glass. Yeah. And that's the only way that like the the sustainability thing is like, oh, it, well, it costs eight times more than a normal one because yeah, it's so sustainable. Never, never works. No, yeah. well, that's the innovation now is everything's sustainable, but that's all yeah. bullshit anyways. So yes, it is. What we're was running out of ideas. What was your business that you that you didn't want to do? <laughs> well, we still do it. I mean, we do. We have a marketing company. Mm -hmm. We do like web design, graphic design, marketing, and um, mm -hmm. we had employees for a little while, but we suck, and so you man. have to you you have to study the algorithm and know how to get get things that you market out into it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is like somewhere where the rubber hits the road is like if you create marketing and you use the algorithm and you feed the pipeline, it's always going to be dominant. It's always going to be. And then when people become fractionalized and when they become, uh, when their worst parts of themselves meet online and create wars and it, it comes from the good side, you know, it's like, I get pitched all the time when I put, like when we put the movie out, I, we, I engaged more with marketing people. And they say, yeah, we're going to put a pixel on your website. We're going to follow everybody who has yep. to your website. And we're going to tell Facebook to order up 10,000 people that match this, this behavior. Yeah, lookalike audience. That's just, yeah, it's just like the most upsetting thing that I can think of. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, and I also know that finding that audience might be that you can make an impression on them and get an impulsive click out of them. But you're not, you're not, they're not becoming a fan they're not really right. seeing what you do and but i get that conflict all the time of like i'm more and more i've been cleaned out of the algorithm so i'm like i am a algorithmic i'm yeah. not in there so i have a website and an email address 
And people, I write to people and say, there's a new thing. And I ask them to buy one at a time. And, and it's sort of slow going and it's sort of uh, contained. And word of mouth has been taken over by the algorithm. So, but people are still talking to each other over a coffee. People are still saying, hey, I just saw this. It's a little drowned out by this constant, the screen in front of your face, the swipe net left, swipe right thing. Um, well, the, but, I mean, but your proof that 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 that's real meritocracy. That's really where you know, okay, the people actually want this product. You don't you don't have to do the tricks. You don't have to be like the second company, the the VHS beating out the shittier one because you. No, have I don't. And, and the will of the people. The the people say it's good, and we want this, and you don't have to worry about the tricks of bullshit you know bullshit capitalism no that's very true and i'm um i worked to have that for a long time but it did work out that way i do have um people who are ready when i want to make something and there are things i've done to try to keep from becoming from expanding till till you blow up you know uh when i started playing big places and i knew i could sell a place out in two seconds i had options i could have like signed with some big uh, promo company and just gotten a huge check and then they just go screw my fans for more money and just you know and then bundle me with other people and get a sponsor involved there's all kinds of stuff they offer you like we'll give you a private jet for the year uh and it's verizon paid for it and uh verizon gets to be uh, you know branded with you and all that kind of stuff that was when i was mainstream um but uh I didn't do that because to me it was more interesting to put to to sell the leverage I was getting back to the crowds. Well, so that's why, it, yeah. I mean, you're a very talented comedian, but I don't think you're investable right now. So for those reasons, I'm out. <laughs> How does it make me money? How money. do I get my money back? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've been listening to the Space Commune Podcast. I'm Fox. I'm Alex. And today we've been talking to Louis C.K. Uh, Louis, it's so good to talk to you. Same here, man. I uh, had a lot of fun. Very yeah. nice to see you, Alex. And good um, luck, guys. Do, you, do you want to plug anything? Tell people to go see I, 4th of July. and Go to my website. You can see all my, my, all my specials are on there. You can buy them all for 25 bucks. You get seven specials. Uh, uh, 4th of July is on there, my new movie. And uh, and also my series, Louie, that used to be on FX, it's now on my website exclusively. It's the only place you can get it. And you can That's buy such all, a great show. all five seasons are $30 for all five seasons. I If we had more time, I was going to ask what it was like to work with David Lynch, but... Oh, he was great. He was a really sweet guy. And he had rules um, that he had to meditate a few times a day. <laughs> And that he wanted a cigarette break as often as possible. And mm -hmm. so we gave him a PA. Her name was Fifi, which was like perfect for him. Uh, <laughs> this woman named Fifi was dedicated. We said, you take care of David. And so we were shooting in a studio and he was very polite, though. He would just say to me, do you think this break will be more than 10 minutes? And I'd say, yes, you have more than 10 minutes. And then he'd say, Fifi, <laughs> and he'd come and show him the nearest outdoors. 
so that he could smoke a cigarette. He smokes a tremendous amount of cigarettes, drinks coffee all day, and meditates. Yeah. Uh, and he's a pleasure. He, he was a pleasure to work with. And a great, I went, I, he let me visit him in LA at his home, uh, where he just, he has this place where he, there's kids in there making music. He has a music studio and uh, this, he makes art, beautiful art and paintings. And he has art students there stretching canvases for him and printing lithographs and stuff and doing their own work. And he spends all day there smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee and making art. That's awesome. He's a wonderful guy. Very cool. All right, Louie. Well, I'll let you go. Um, yeah. It's really been awesome. Thank you for talking to us. Sure, you know. man. Um, if you're up in the